0: everybody welcome back to another episode of simply amazing tim Ryder from the apple uh special guest with us today uh ardent mets fan and well-known uh comedic uh, genius some will say our buddy mike price you know him from uh, he's a longtime writer for the simpsons co-creator of uh, f is for family just wrapped up season five on netflix mike thanks so much for coming back to the show
1: hey tim thanks for having me back again so happy to be here Ah, oh, cool, man. Uh, of course, first
0: off, congratulations on wrapping up the show. Um, uh, you know, I, I watched each season as they came out before season five. Before I watched it, I said, I'm going to watch all four again. And uh, I'm almost wrapping that up now. So uh, really enjoying it. You know, just uh, hats off to the cast, hats off to the writers. Um, so relatable. Just it's a. Uh, it's a timeless show because you could take little pieces of it and, and kind of apply it to all of our lives. It's, uh, you know, I grew up in the nineties and a far cry from the seventies, of course, but still there are some parallels there and it's uh, you know, it's just, it's a blast to kind of pick out little things. So thank you for that.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you've enjoyed it. And I'm so grateful that we got to do five seasons of the show that I love, dearly love on uh, Netflix and Netflix has been incredibly supportive of it and a chance to work with the great Bill Burr, like one of the, one of the great comedians of all time and just a great guy and a wonderful guy. I'm so happy that he's my friend now and uh, and this amazing cast and writers and artists that we got to work with for, uh, you know, uh, it was over the course of um, when we fir- first started going into production of it was seven years ago. It was the fall of 2014. So it's been a very huge part of my life for a long, long time. And, uh, and I'm sorry that it's over, but I'm so happy that I got to do it.
0: Oh, I, I couldn't imagine just seeing it all come to fruition. And boy, the cast. I mean, you mentioned Bill Burr, but Laura Dern, Justin Long, Sam Rockwell, Mo Collins, who anyone of my age who watched Mad TV knows Mo Collins, and she's terrific. Um, Dave Keckner, uh, I know he was around for a few seats. Gary Cole was around. Um, it just yeah. It sounds like such an amazing group of people. It must have been just fun to kind of see things come to life
1: it was like a murderer's row, you know, of of great actors. And, and, uh, one of the things that when we first got to do the show and they said, we're doing it now, we have to cast it. That's what I, um, really threw myself into. Like I just made like a wish list of who would be great. You know, so we, we right away, we got Justin Long and Sam Rockwell involved in, uh, because uh, they were close friends with um, and worked with with Vince Vaughn, our, our producer Vince Vaughn. So we got we got them in. I think that helped bring other people in, and then Laura. Uh, but then with some of the other car- parts like Mo Collins, uh, Phil Hendry, who's an amazing, incredible guy, Trevor Duvall, David Keckner, Kevin Farley, um, just goes on and on. And these were people that I knew of and had wanted, had always wanted to do something with, and had all, long admired. So have a chance to work with them and to have them bring in and, and to have them, especially someone like Mo, uh, who just brought life to all these characters and just, you know, it would be a character would be like two lines on the page and she would find some way to twist it and make it just these two words would be like the funniest two words you've ever heard, you know? So, uh, just, just incredible, just an incredible gift to get to work with these amazing people.
0: Ah, oh, it sounds amazing. Um, of course, everybody check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, all five seasons are on right now. Uh, they will be running and, and check that out. I'm going to jump back to The Simpsons later on in the show. I do want to touch on some baseball things. Nice. Uh, I guess we'll we'll start with the good news. Uh, Gil Hodges finally elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame on Sunday, which is uh, thrilling news before my time. But um, I have to assume 1969 is in your memory, Mike.
1: Yeah, I was just talking to someone about this. Um, my first Mets game I went to ever was in 1968 when I was a okay. really little kid. Uh, and I went with my dad on a bus trip and and I was just sort of like overwhelmed by it all. And <laughs> I'd never been to anything like it before. Uh, you know, and didn't quite remember much about the game except they played the Braves. and I'm sure Henry Aaron was playing that night. So that was <laughs> kind of neat. Uh, And then my next memory is literally like 69 when they got in the World Series. Like I wasn't following them closely during that season, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But suddenly when they were in the World Series, uh, I was in grade school. I was like, everybody's into the Mets, everybody's into the Mets, you know. So I remember watching some of the games in the World Series. And then after that, then I became a number one Mets fan, like from 1970. On uh, so I, I I got on the train right after they won the World Series and then it was a couple more years before they got in again. So sure. I I got the instant uh, feeling of being a Mets fan, <laughs> <I was laughs> like being disappointed. But oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but those early '70s and then from then on for for forever, you know. So Gil Hodges was the manager then, of course. Sure. um He died, I think, during spring training. Right? Was it of '73? Yeah. It was uh, he died and Had a heart attack on the golf course, I think, during spring training of '73, and then Yogi Berra took over after that. Um, yeah. So I, I knew who he was very well, and I knew I knew of his I knew of his playing career and everything by that time too, and how great he had been for the Dodgers.
0: Yeah, like so for someone of my age, it was just you know a person of lore. It was someone you know your dad, or your grandfather told you about. Um, yeah, you know. I and, I
1: remember? And, oh, sorry, Tim. Oh no, please go ahead. I seem to recall watching a game. That's the game. Uh, maybe maybe I watched the clip of it later and I read about it later. But it was the game where he walked out to the, he walked out to the field and took Cleon Jones out of left field because, Jones, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, dogged, dogged it on a ball or something like that. I remember feeling sure. like, that, like, oh, wow, that guy's scary. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> nonsense. I don't like you. I just committed. Pull me out of left field.
0: <laughs> oh, you know, and I, th- I think at that point it's like, Oh, he's on his way out. And that's a long walk. It's like, Oh geez, he's on his way. All right. But I mean, you know, terrific playing career. It took him 35 tries to get into the hall of fame, uh, only candidate to get 50% and not get elected. And now of course he, uh, wow. he has been, um, I, I found a sad, this is probably, you know, probably once, once the first, uh, once the ballot came out, um, I just pulled it out. So from 1950 to 1959, which is, you know, undisputably his prime. um, He had 281, 369, 514, averaged 31 homers, uh, 24 doubles a year, seven all-star games. From what I hear, he was a terrific defensive first baseman. Now, the only first baseman or qualified first baseman with more wins above replacement over that span was Stan Musial. So it makes me wonder. I mean, he was also a right fielder, or they tried to move him around the outfield as well. He split time there pretty much his entire career, but I'm very surprised that that wouldn't have gotten him in so much earlier.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. What, what, who, who else was coming up? You know, was it against him when he was first eligible? And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there were a lot of great guys that played around that same time as him. Oh, so. sure. And so many
0: factors and I mean, but just he, it, puzzling. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it's long overdue that he got recognition and, oh, and, it, and as a manager, of course, you know, for what he did with the Mets, I mean, he deserves oh, yeah. it almost just for that.
0: Oh, of course. And you know, I just, and if his wife's still being around, I, I only caught a little bit of the press conference today, but the family was speaking and his former, his former players are speaking about him. it's just very cool. And, uh, Boy, we all need some good news right now because in the baseball world, there's not a lot of that. The Mets got us on a nice high note to start the offseason, season, but uh, <laughs> since then, it's been a yeah. it's been doom and gloom. Um, I was only I was 11 in 1994. But I was like a baseball crazy kid, so I remember the strike pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, the aftermath of the 94-95 strike really set the game back. As a fan, do you feel that? We're, this could be approaching similar territory if they don't get things straightened out
1: i think so yeah i do think so i mean there's so much more even uh compared to now than then there's so yeah. much more competition there's a million more things that you can do or look at besides watch a baseball game you know other sports are, are flashier the nba and nfl you know and, and um You know, baseball, I think is in good shape, but it's like, yeah, you need the fans. You need the support of the fans. You know, um, it's, it was hard leaving last year during the pandemic that there was no baseball for half the season. And, and, and when they came back, it was cardboard cutouts and (laughs) still watched it, you know, but if, if it's, but if it's because of, and even then there was, there was a rank, a feeling of rancor, as I recall on both sides, like figure this out. How are we going to get games? Like, like, Bury your differences. There was all that back and forth about how many games there would be, and it's like you know. I think I think both sides have their points. You know, um, sure. I'm generally in favor of the players doing what they need to do, and you know, uh, I think I think that the players. It's true that I think there's a lot of um, uh, stuff going on with like players take so long now to become free agents that by the time you become a free agent, like your career is almost over, and you know. So I think they've got a lot of a lot of problems that they have to work out. I hope they do. I remember '94 um, when the strike hit in '94, and that suddenly there was no playoffs, no World Series, and that was ridiculous. And and the the common wisdom is that, um, which I think is largely true, is that the Cal Ripken thing is what brought everybody back. You know, in '95, like him breaking Luke Eric's record, was like the thing that got everybody really excited again about baseball. So, um, yeah, I just it seems like. They've got to figure out a way to do it because, yeah. you know, I, I'd be very, I think it would be very terrible if if the if the if this lockdown lasted a really long time or the season started late again. You know, they should get to figure it out. Hope sure. it, you know, in nineteen
0: ninety four, it got so ugly. I mean, even just the the, the back and forths. You know, Congress needing to be involved, President Clinton getting involved. <laughs> um, do you know who? <laughs> I'm not sure if you remember it. Do you know who ended it? Was I eventual. Do eventual Supreme Court justice. Sonia Sotomayor.
1: Son yeah. Yankee fan.
0: <laughs> That's right. Hardcore Yankee fan. But, um, yeah. Oh, exactly. But, you know, and and a lot of people forget the part that Ripken played. Everyone looks to the 1998 home run chase, but that Ripken thing was huge. My dad called me into his room, which never happened. Come in here. You got to see this. It was, you know, they stopped Jeopardy or whatever was on right. that night. To, to yeah. It was just, you know, it was a uh, it was special time, and I think everybody needed it. And you hate to see him go back down the same road, because the pie right now is just so much bigger. And yeah, yeah, you know, like like you were saying, the free agency thing is huge, because you know, out, out of the whole player pool, this is organization wide. This is out of all the guys that get drafted, the number of guys who actually make it to major league free agency is just a small, small portion of these guys. Sure. Um, you look at someone like Pete Alonzo, who in his first three seasons, he's been extremely valuable, both to his club as a player. He's has the most home runs in baseball since he started. He he made more winning to me, uh, earned more money winning two home run derbies than he did right. in three seasons in major league baseball. And, you know, whether it's trimming arbitration time or whether it's just getting guys to free agency quicker, it's a, it's a pretty yeah. big pie and everyone kind of deserves their yeah. slice. Now. And,
1: and it's certainly true that like the club's, I remember they didn't do it with Alonzo and I, I give the Mets a lot of credit for that. I guess Brody credit for that, but they did it with like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant, you know, they're kind of waiting, oh, waiting yeah. to bring them up so that the clock doesn't start, you know? And I mean, uh, you know, uh, that's that kind of stuff I really hate, you know, like yeah, make, the the, best, make the best team, get the best team on the field. you know.
0: And I think the players or the union, uh, I should say, put it really well. Evan at the athletics kind of relayed this information pretty well is that um what they're i guess what they wanted to do was was just kind of streamline if they're going to be counting days there's always going to be a way to manipulate it i believe that was the quote exactly so they just kind of want to try and you know hinder it if they if possible and and whether it's shortening time or whatever just it's kind of got to happen and then you know compromises and concessions are, are kind of necessary to the process. And I know between labor union, labor issues with the, um, the writer's guild years ago. And and even I think with the Simpsons, I mean, can you speak to the solidarity of one side or another in in achieving goals when it comes to, you
1: need, you need solidarity, you know? So yeah, Yeah. the writer's guild of which I'm a member, uh, I've been a member of now for 25 years, um, is, uniformly fairly solidly in line with each other and when it comes to these kinds of things so every three years we have to negotiate a new contract with the uh producers whatever it's called the association of tv and movie producers um yeah i mean it's a thing where similar i think the baseball where the, the producers are the the big studios and they want to do whatever they can to maximize their their profits, which means that sometimes it means that they're trying to get give us less or, you know, or or, or act like, I mean, we're not getting too much into it, but like there's certain places like Netflix, where I, I've been working out for the last few years on my show, where it's the biggest, one of the the biggest companies in the world, but they still try to act like, oh, we're just a little internet company. <laughs> so they, they try to find ways to... Uh, to to cheap out a little bit, you know, and that's, that's their, they're trying to maximize their profits for their shareholders. And, but our job is to not, to not take that, to stand up for what we, what we believe in and what we, what we need, what's best for us. So uh when it comes down to it, and that's, I think that's where the players ultimately, I think in baseball will have the uh the leverage is that there's no games without the players, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, I mean, they tried to do that. I remember in 94, they had the replacement players that was, Ugh. That was a disaster. You know, there were, you know, a couple of good guys came out. Of that. I remember Rick Reed for the Mets came uh, out of that. but um,
0: Shane, Shane Spencer, too.
1: Yeah, but I mean, but still, it was a mediocre, inferior product. And yeah. people are going to want to see that. And, and when it comes down to to scripted movies and TV, <laughs> um, there's no there's no movie if there's no way to write it. You know, so ultimately, yeah. that's every time it comes down, it would come down to the sort of thing of like, we would say we're going to, if you make, make a deal with us. Or we're going to strike, you know. So the last two times we had a threatened strike, uh, we never did. We did strike in 2007 and 2008, yeah. um, but that was over something that now, even then, who knew? Like it was about it was about being covered, having our work covered in the kind of stuff that's now everywhere, streaming. Like back then, in 2000, I wouldn't even know what streaming was. You know, it yeah. was like internet internet stuff, but now internet stuff is everything. You know, so oh, thank sure. God our leaders held on held together for that. And I think with baseball they're just trying to do the best what's best for them as well you know they haven't I mean, talks about like they'll say like oh how can you cry poverty you know or, or players when max scherzer just got you know his gigantic deal but like you're saying it's true like the max scherzers and the whoever you know they're going to make their gigantic deals but but this this stuff is about for the the guys that are going to maybe play like three seasons or something like that They're they're the right. ones that are these kind of contracts really mostly are benefiting
0: and that's kind of what I'm, un- I'm encouraged by is that you have guys and specifically Max Scherzer, who's a, who's on the, um, I guess the executive board of the players right. association, you know, and they're standing up for these, for these pre arbitration and arbitration players. And I think that's the unity and the solidarity that's, that's going to keep the players having the upper hand here, as well as uh, a batch of much smarter fans and, uh, you know, these smarter fans with bigger platforms that have bigger reach. And, you know, in 1994, all we had was the newspaper and we saw the outcry of fans. And then, you know, I guess even then there was probably some... underhanded stuff on both sides but you know i remember i put a picture of it up the other day there were mets fans who ran onto shea stadium field throwing cash at players calling them greedy i mean that was right, probably yeah. the opening series you know just it's yeah. so strange how a media narrative can spin things but i'm hoping that this time around it's uh, it's a lot cleaner because yeah boy, for the for the sake of the game
1: <laughs> i remember one thing too from back then was that um there was a lot of uh, anger towards. Uh, he was on the Dodgers, and he later came to the Mets. Brett Butler, yeah. who was like the Dodgers player rep, I think during the strike, and he he was very uh, much against the replacement players and like called them out and like whatever like it was really he said and I remember him being booed lustily, you know, when the game started again. I, I was probably one of the guys booing him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't boo Rick. McCrean is just a, a guy just trying to, you know, they are just I mean I wouldn't hold it against the replacement players, you know, because they were just trying to get no. get a break too, you know. So sure. I don't know. It's it's so complicated, but and and there's so much passion about it. When you come to a sport like baseball, like you're, you're passionate, I'm a passionate fan of the Mets, you know? So yeah, uh, I can see where there's anger in, on both sides. And I hope it doesn't happen this way this time. I hope they f- figure out some way to get it all, work it all out.
0: Oh, same here. Just really, uh, you know, for the good of the game. Uh, we're going to yeah. take a very quick break. Uh, <laughs> hear from our sponsors. Hang tight. We'll be right back.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: Welcome back. We again we are with Mike Price from uh, The Simpsons from F is for Family. Uh, Mike, The Simpsons are streaming on Disney Plus. Disney Plus, that's right.
1: Yes, and, indeed. Yeah, it's awesome. Every uh, episode, every episode of the last uh, every season except the current one that's on TV right now is on is, is on Disney Plus. Thirty two seasons.
0: Oh my goodness! And you guys, this is I was going to say this is this is season thirty three, right?
1: Yeah, 33 is on the air right now.
0: Unbelievable. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's just a, oh, we could spend a whole nother hour talking about The Simpsons. You guys are just still having fun, though. That's what it seems like. We are, we
1: are. Yeah, I think it's been a really fun year. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, we've had some good episodes, if uh, you know, that, that are on Fox currently, um, but they'll, yeah. be able, they'll make it to streaming eventually. But uh, a lot of really fun, big swing, ambitious episodes there was a two-parter that we just did that concluded a couple of weeks ago. That was our version of a kind of a parody, whatever of um, streaming, ch- streaming dramas like Fargo <laughs> uh, Colin brothers movies. And you know, it was a two-parter about Ned Flanders finding a bunch of money in the woods and, and <laughs> mayhem and violence. And, you know, it was like what we call a non-canon episode where, you know, people got murdered in it. <laughs> you know, but they'll be back next week. There's a fun couple of fun Halloween type things coming up uh, this fall in the new season. Um, uh, really interesting and fun ideas, and I think there's a feeling of of like you know, we've been around a long time now, over 750 episodes, and you know we've done all kinds of episodes. There are like, let's just have a little more fun with it now. Let's find find a new thing to do, find a new way to tell stories. You know, we did a great a great episode a couple of years ago. Two years ago, that was one of our Halloween style trilogies, but it was Thanksgiving stories, you know, and that was really, really great episode. And so we're, we're right in the process right now of starting to come up with some ideas for uh, the next the next season. You know, so we're just the beginning of that right now, we're in the middle of talking about some new story ideas. So hopefully we'll we'll be able to continue doing that kind of thing and shake it up a little bit and have some fun and some new uh, some new ideas out there.
0: Oh, you guys just keep on enduring. It's it's, it's impressive, and, and and it's not like the product ever laxed. It's it's always funny. It's always and it's it. I'm trying to find a way to explain it. You find yourself laughing at the same shit you were 20 years ago, 25 years ago. The same stuff that made me laugh as a teenager. It's all the, it's like the similar vein, and it still gets me today. And it's just ah. The, the oh, totally and right. you saw it with is for family too, like the um. I guess the expansion Of a character But they still always Come back to that same There's that sensual Oh, it's so great Again, we could stay On the TV stuff forever I, I'm just such a fan But back to the Metis. That's what yes. we're here for, right? Uh, yeah. Billy Epler Billy Epley, you have to like what he's doing so far.
1: I do so far. I do like him so far. I'll be honest, I didn't know who he was until a week or two ago when the Mets hired him. I'm not (laughs) not up on general managers per se, but uh, (laughs) I think he's done a good job. We'll see now. Uh, I mean, the big thing now will be the manager. I guess they're having the managerial uh, auditions or meetings starting today. Oh, the carousel starts turning, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, who they're going to get. I would think I would imagine after having two, uh, two in a row of like first timers, yeah. Mickey and then uh, Luis Rojas, you know, like it's probably time to go to someone who's got some experience. So that that seems to think. I know everyone seems to talk about Buck Showalter. Are uh, you a fan of Buck? Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, he's been around a lot, and uh, sure, you know, he did pretty good with the Yankees, and I know that a lot of people give him a hard time with the Orioles where he didn't. Put he didn't put the uh, relief pitcher in, or whatever. Um, (laughs) Uh, You know, so I mean, it's amazing how these decisions stick with you forever, right? Yeah, I know. I guess he's a guy (laughs) like that. I mean, if I mean the one thing I'm worried about is that, like, because the Mets have done that in the past too, where they brought in like the old timer, like Dallas Green. You know, this is back in the '90s or the '80s or '90s, I guess. Dallas Green and like George Bamberger, all those kind of old timey guys they brought in. The Mets, the Mets hired Dallas Green after. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the most successful, well, the last Mets manager to win a World Series was Davey Johnson. You know, that was right. his first managerial job. Um, Very good point. it seems like, but you've got like DeGrom, you've got Scherzer, you've got these these veterans, Starling Marte. It feels like it feels like what, you know, reading between the lines, like what was going on last season was that Louis Rojas like, kind of let these guys sort of run around like the Olympics were in charge of the asylum a little bit, you know, and I guess maybe it's, it might help to have an older, an older hand who's sort of like a steady, steady guy, you know. So I don't really know. I, I know the new modern modern idea of a manager is like somebody just like gets the phone call from the general manager, <laughs> and gets like the download of the stats, and this is the lineup you're playing, you know, and deal with it. So, but it still comes down to like judgment and judgment calls of like I think the Mets again, I, again, I'm, I'm not sure if it was Luis's call or not, but like the things of pitch counts and pulling pitchers out when they're having great games. and That happened a couple of times this season with the Mets that when we were like really fighting to stay sort of stay relevant in that one game, I forget who the pitcher was, but it wasn't, certainly wasn't DeGrom, but it was like, uh, yeah. we're pulling him out, you know, after six innings. And it's like, why are you oh, doing yeah. it? He's having a great game. It might've been Taiwan Walker or uh, I forget who it was, but. Oh, sure. They brought, and they brought him to it. Guys. Happened a bunch. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, I don't understand that. That's, that might just be me, the old man now talking about the way things used to be, but um, I don't understand it. I'm sort of like in the, in the uh, Keith, Keith part point of view there of like, you know, sure. things have changed in a way that not necessarily for the better.
0: Well, you know, I think you have to try and find that perfect blend because you know, the basic facets of baseball, the, the you know, moving runners along, if the guy's cruising, you know, let's not mess with it. Yeah. They, the, the, Odds might say otherwise, but there's, there's got to be a sense of feel there as well. Yeah. Um, I think we saw decisions getting made from upstairs last year, and I think Rojas actually did a really good job of taking the brunt of that because it's not like he could be like, oh, yeah, well, that wasn't my call. He just, you know, he kind of gave yeah. bland, vague answers and said, oh, yeah, it didn't work out. And, you know, some people were able to read between the lines. <laughs> others were not. Right. I, I, I think my, our buddy Mark Healy. Um, who pointed out on Twitter today that he kind of needs someone who can manage the media with a little bit of um, gusto, yeah. I guess. But you yeah. know, if they're winning, I said it myself. If they're winning, I don't care if he goes up there and plays a tuba in the in the in the post game presser. As long as they're winning ball games, and not, yeah, you know,
1: yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the part thing too, like that that always bothers me, and like I can almost predict it. And it's a thing that that's that's haunted the Mets for many many years, not just last year. But like, remember that? Like, I mean, everyone remembers that like amazing game against the Yankees uh, on Sunday Night Baseball, you know, yeah. with the, all the home runs and everything, and Baez, and like how exciting it was, you know. And I could almost predict that the next game they're going to come out and just like get shut out, you know, because <laughs> like there's that feeling of like not of not carrying it over, and I don't know what if that's an intangible that the manager brings, whatever. But it was like the, after that, that was like that was like the that was like their World Series. And then they went off and like lost like whatever eleven of the next twelve or something like that, and it's like that
0: cardinal series. Oh Yeah. Oh my awful. god, that
1: was this murder. <laughs> like, like you've got to you've got to find a way that I don't know. I guess that's part of the magic of what maybe what a manager brings is like the kind of sustaining the intensity and and keeping it going and and hmm. don't let that happen. Don't let the great game just be followed by you know a total flat out game after that. So,
0: I mean, I was intrigued by Adam Jones, uh, former Baltimore Orioles standout. He's playing in Japan now, killing it out there. Mm-hmm. But it, he came out in support of Buck Showalter, and and I think that if if I had to pick a um, an old school manager, I think I'd be mm-hmm. fine with Buck personally. I, I don't have a, a real preference right now. Whoever they hire, yeah. you know, they have the players to win. There's going to be no excuse if, right. if you know mm-hmm. it. At this point, you know, look at I me, mean, look at the team. Forget about the the Scherzer edition, just adding Marte, adding uh, Escobar, uh, adding Canna. Uh, yeah. These are all just, you know, I guess the players they want to instill to kind of bring that that vibe and that. Hey, guys, we're just bringing our lunch pails to work. Let's let's go do this. And that's what these guys are. And I really like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me, too. Me, too. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. So we'll see. Oh as long as they all stay healthy. And, you know, that's my main thing is worry. I mean, as a, as a fatalistic Mets fan, you know, I'm half expecting that like, you know, Scherzer will, you know, have a shoulder injury in spring training or something, <laughs> you know, that's always expect for the other shoe to drop. So if, if everyone stays healthy, then I think we got a really good shot. And I think they're hopefully they're not done yet. I would really love them yeah. to get like a Chris Bryant or somebody oh. like that, you know, to fill, to, to fill it out. But uh
0: that's shooting for the moon. I would be yeah, on board yeah. with i it. love but, him. I love him. Oh, if thing. they could pull it off, my goodness, and it would yeah. really go with the versatility thing they're trying to accomplish. It would uh yeah certainly be a plus. Yeah. Uh Mike, I can't thank you enough for your time, man. This has been so much fun. Thank you, Tim. It's always always a pleasure to come here. Oh, thanks, man. Um, everyone, you can check out Mike on Twitter, it's at Mike Price in LA. Uh, of course, The Simpsons streaming on Disney Plus. It's on Fox still on Sunday nights, as it has been for so long. Uh, F is for Family was going to be on Netflix for the foreseeable future. You can catch the entire series in its entirety, and uh, and hopefully we'll have some baseball back to uh, to mix into that as well. I hope so. All right, Mike. I can again thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks, Tim. All right. Let's go Mets, everybody. We'll see you next time. Peace.